Thanks for listening to The Vine. We're a new church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this sermon helps you in doing that. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 18. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beershabian, Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and he spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king of Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Jahap, from Abel Meloah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Haziel. Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, and all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord. My name is Ellen. I'm really excited to be with you all. Um, As Mark said, me and Jordan, my husband, we're just part of this community. 
Um, nothing special, I'm not on staff. I just, I love being part of this church. Um, y'all are my friends. When we first came to the Vine, it felt like family. And so if you've been coming here for a while, I consider you my family. If this is your first time here, I hope that you experience what I experienced. Um, so this is one of my favorite stories. I was telling Mark that um, I think he actually introduced this to me, this story. I think the first time I ever read it, um, it was with him, and we were in a family ministry context, and it just always stayed with me, God speaking to someone in a whisper. So we're going to gradually get to that. So before we dive into the scripture today, I just would like to take a minute for you all to reflect back on your own relationship with God and just kind of give you some space to do that before we jump back into the message. Is that okay? I'm not going to make you raise your hand or say anything out loud. This is just between you and the Lord. All right. Two things you're not allowed to do. Don't judge yourself and don't judge your own answers. Also, don't judge your neighbor and what you think their answer might be. (laughs) Just, Just don't even get into that territory. All right. This is just between you and the Lord. All right. So question number one. Where are you right now in your relationship with God? Do you feel near to him? Do you feel distant? Is he a friend or maybe a long-lost relative that you talk to occasionally when you have to? Do you question that he exists? Question number two. Do you know God? Are you getting to know him? Do you know about his characteristics, his grace? his love. All answers are good. They're all welcomed here. They're all accepted. And I think it's really valuable to just check in with ourselves and ask. And I really think that God is honored when we do that. He can take your honesty. He can take your anger. He can take your, your distrust. He can take all of it, I promise. I start with asking these questions Because ultimately, today's message is going to lead us up to this question. Am I listening to what God has for my life? Can I hear God amongst all of the distractions? Amongst all of the busyness, all of the noise, all of the voices. We live in a really loud world. Can I hear God? But I wanted to start off this way because Guys, I don't think that we can hear God unless we really know him. So I just wanted to start there. We're going to dive into the scripture. And the way that I have always been able to teach before is just walking back through the scripture a little bit at a time. And that was kind of a long story. Sorry, I didn't realize that. But um, that's what we're going to do today. So just hang with me. It'll be really good. Okay. First one. You ready? Here we go. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. So by that she means dead, right? Not existing in this world. She is giving Elijah a death threat. A little bit of background here. Ahab, this king, he reigned Israel for 22 years. And many people say that he was the most evil king that existed. And that is a huge claim to fame because there are terrible kings all throughout the Old Testament that are in charge of Israel, God's children. Jezebel is married to Ahab. 
and she is like equally, if not more, wicked. She's just terrible. She built this temple in the middle of their city to a false god named Baal. She abolished the worship of the Lord. She killed all of God's prophets. She was really bad news. So this is kind of the state of Israel that God has Elijah walk into. Poor guy. But Elijah was great. He was a prophet. He longed to know God and walk in a relationship with him. God uses Elijah to begin saving the Israelite people once again, right? I feel like every story in the Old Testament, we're like, they need to be saved again. But he, he's great. And so he does a lot of incredible miracles. He, Elijah, he raises people from the dead. He brings drought to a land, and then he brings rain back to the land. He actually calls down fire from heaven at one point, And he ends up slaying all the, killing all the prophets of Baal. So he's not, like, new to this. He's actually an old pro. God's used him a lot, and he's remained really faithful. But even with all of this success, even though Elijah has had a strong faith, he's seen God do amazing things through him. We're actually going to pick up with Elijah in a really low place. He's, he's depressed. He's hopeless. He's running. He's not doing well. And I find Elijah to be a really relatable character. Because I think we all go through kind of like this roller coaster in life, right? Where we're doing pretty good. Maybe we feel like we have a strong faith. Maybe our relationship with God's kind of doing kind of good. And then we just bottom out. Maybe we just hit a low. We hit a point of suffering. And we kind of question ourselves. We question our direction, our purpose. Maybe we question God. I don't think I'm the only one in that, the room that's been there. It's real. All right, so verse 3. Elijah, Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom brush, he sat under it, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. So like I said, Elijah had gone into Israel. He had done this great miracle to show the Israelites, hey, our God is better than this. He's more powerful. Stop worshiping Baal. He's going to save you. Just, just hang on. And it had gone pretty well. I mean, God showed up. He, he showed up in power, and the false god Baal didn't. But what happened was it made Jezebel, the evil ruler, look like a fool, and it made her god look like a fool. And actually all of the prophets of Baal, 450 people were killed because of it. And so Jezebel is like on a rampage. She's not doing, she's not doing good, and she really hates Elijah. And the Israelites are still stuck under her leadership. And they haven't turned away from it either. And so Elijah feels like, did I even do anything right? Did this matter? Number one, I'm going to die. And number two, God, did you even use me? Like, what was the point of all of that? So he's frustrated. He's upset. And now he's running. I do this too. When I'm afraid, when I don't feel like God's using me, I'll just, I'll hide from my problems or I'll try to take control of them. I think that's what I try to do most often. I get really like antsy and anxious and I'm like, all right, well, if God's not in control, then, then I'll take control, right? <laughs> it's pretty visible to those who know me well. I, I get really hyper productive and I can't sit down. I'll come home and I'll start organizing, cleaning and just anything. I can't sit down because I want just a little niche of control, just a little bit. 
I want to feel safe. And it's, it's kind of silly, right? Because that's not going to do anything. It's just kind of distracting me from the real problem. But what I love about God is that he, he isn't thrown off by this. He doesn't stop pursuing me. No, in fact, he follows me into those places. He follows me into the dark places. And he probably is just smiling at me trying to control. We see it here in the passage with Elijah too. He was never alone. He's out running, not seeking the Lord at all. But God stays with him. Let's pick up in verse 5. Then he lay down under the brush and he fell asleep. All at once the angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some baked bread over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank and he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. He's like, well, great. Thank you. I know. (laughs) The journey is too much for you. Not a very encouraging message, right? But we feel this way when we're suffering sometimes. It's too much. I can't handle this. The burden you've asked me to carry is too much to bear. I just really appreciate that the angel is recognizing that and and lets him be okay with that because it is too much sometimes. It's clear here that even in Elijah's wandering, even in his faithlessness and his running from God, God meets him exactly where he is. Isn't that great? That we don't have to be perfect for God to come and meet with us. That we don't even have to obey him all the time or be cheerful or be a righteous ruler or be awesome. No, God meets us where we are. He doesn't expect us to be perfect. I'm really thankful for that. <laughs> in our church, he's here. In our offices, he's here. At your school, everywhere, on your best day, on your worst day. When everyone in my family is happy with me or when my friends are not happy with me. It doesn't matter. God is with you and he comes and meets you in that place. He comes to us not because we're good enough, but because he loves us. That's it. Verse 8. He got up and he ate and he drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and he spent the night. The word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left. They're trying to kill me too. So 40 days and 40 nights is a long time to wait for relief, to be out in the desert when you're not in a good place. I'm sure many of you in this room have waited for longer. It's a long journey sometimes. But I think that God uses this journey to begin healing Elijah. And then he gets to this mountain, Mount Horeb, which I don't know a ton about the Old Testament, but I know that it's a big deal in the Old Testament. And anytime we see Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, same mountain, it's God coming down to his people and showing extraordinary love. It's really cool. So Elijah's made it to this mountain, and what does God ask him? What are you doing here? Some of the translations actually say, where are you? And that really stuck with me. Why would God ask Elijah, where are you? I mean, he's God. He knows where he is. Why would he ask that? I think really God is asking him, where's your heart? Why are you running from me? Yeah. (laughs) I think that... I've been thinking about that this week. Where is my heart? 
because it's really easy for us in this world to show up and body and be present and not really have our hearts be affected or not really have our hearts be present. And I think what God wants most from us is for our heart to be in our relationships and to be in our relationship with him most and most formally. When I came to church, when I come to church some days, I'll be honest, my, my body's here, but my heart's not, right? It's easy to just show up and be like, I'm here, just check it off the list. But where is our heart? Is it with God? I think God wants that force and foremost. And it's funny to me, God, or Elijah's answer, because he doesn't answer God's question at all. He just kind of like whines. You know, he's just like, all this stuff is happening and I'm really zealous for you and what's going on? But it shows us the state of his heart, right? He's not trusting God. He actually thinks that he knows what's going on here and what should be happening. We talk that way to God sometimes, don't we? This isn't going right. Can you fix it, please? Um, God pretty much ignores Elijah's monologue, though. And he goes on to say this, verse 11. Go out and stand. Stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart. Then we see an earthquake. Then we see a fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. He went out and he stood at the mountain of the cave. God is going to reveal himself to Elijah. He's going to show him his power and his presence. And then he comes in a whisper? That's crazy. If I knew that God was about to reveal himself to me, I would be like, okay, I'm going to brace myself for like a loud, booming voice. Or maybe like my house would shake. Or maybe a huge wind would come through my room. I don't know, really. But it would not be a whisper. That's not what I would expect at all. And I don't think it's what Elijah expected. I mean, he'd seen God work in really powerful ways. Just one chapter before, he called down fire from heaven and set this bull on fire. So this was, I think this was new to him as well. We were talking about this earlier this week, the whisper, the whisper of God. Let's think about that. It's really hard to hear a whisper, right? I mean, you have to be in the right environment. You can't be like at the UT football stadium and hear someone whispering to you across the way. It's not going to happen. You have to be in a quiet place. And then you have to really be listening. You're not going to accidentally hear someone whisper Maybe you actually need to look at their lips or ask them again to say it. It's intentional. It's listening. And I think that God was teaching Elijah something there. God asks him again, where are you, Elijah? What are you doing here? And then Elijah answers the same way. Did y'all recognize that the first time we read it through? The same word for word exact wine answer. I couldn't believe this. I actually looked at two different translations just to make sure. I was like, this is crazy. Elijah, are you serious? He just showed up like this, and you're still kind of stuck in that headspace of nothing's going right. You're not here. I totally do this too, though, and I think we all do. But God's patience with us, it's never ending. Even if we don't get it the second or the third or the 80th time, he's so persistent And he cares, and he stays with us. I'm really glad. (laughs) Um, Okay, wait, wrong page. Verse 15, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Just, Just go back. 
I have a job for you to do. I'm not going to reread all of those names. But basically, God is giving him a new calling, saying, hey, no, you're, you're, the plan isn't up. I have a next step for you. God calls him out of his despair and out of his fear by giving him a job to do. He doesn't really, like, console. I mean, God is our comforter. I really believe that. But I think that the way he comforts Elijah here is so interesting. He just reminds him, no, I'm with you, and I have a purpose for you. I'm not going to give you the next 10-year plan, but I'm going to give you the next step. God will continue to govern and bring about the purposes, his purposes, for Elijah. If only he would remain in faith, walking with him. And he does. Elijah's anxiety is not the main point here. God's power is, and God's plan for him is. So this story actually reminded me of a scene in the Chronicles of Narnia where Peter is feeling really down and hopeless. He's lost his brother, who he was in control of, well, he was supposed to be in control of. And he's about to go up against an army that's huge and evil, and the odds really are not in their favor to win. And so he's like, what is going on here? And he's really doubting himself and kind of this whole story. Let's watch this. The castle of the four thrones, in one of which you will sit, Peter, as high king. You doubt the prophecy? No. It's just it. Aslan, I'm not who you will think I am. Peter Pevensey, formerly of Finchley, Beaver also mentioned that you planned on turning him into a hat. (laughs) Peter, there is a deep magic more powerful than any of us that rules over all of Narnia. It defines right from wrong and governs all our destinies, yours and mine. But I couldn't even protect my own family. You've brought them safely this far. Not all of them. Peter, I will do what I can to help your brother, but I need you to consider what I ask of you. I do want my family safe. All right. I feel like there are so many parallels between this scene and the story we're reading. It's crazy. But two things that I just want to point out. One, Peter's doubting who he is and who his purpose. God reminds him of who he is. He knows his name, God, Aslan. Same thing. And two, he reminds him of his purpose. He gives him what he's going to do next. And he actually says, hey, there's something bigger than you governing this. It's not really up to you, but will you take a next step forward in faith? One of the many things, one of the main things I want to take from this passage is that we must listen to God's voice in order to be reminded of who we are and what his purpose for us is. We've got to hear his voice for that. There's so many voices out there calling for our attention. So many distractions. And some of those voices and distractions are good. But they're not good enough to remind us of who we are. I really think that if we're not first and primarily listening to the voice of God, then we'll get stuck exactly where we first found Elijah. God, God comforts, renews, and speaks to Elijah with just a whisper. What if God wishes to comfort, renew, and speak to us in the same kind of form? 
what would that look like? What would it look like for us to hear God in modern day America? Perhaps it would be when we create margin and time for him in our lives, kind of slow things down and we pray. Maybe we'd hear him then. Maybe we'd hear him through the words of Jesus, who is the word of God, through scripture. Maybe we'd hear him through the caring voice of a friend or a parent. I think there are many ways that God still wishes to speak to us today. And I wonder if we're listening and if we're seeking his voice out. Jesus says this in John 10. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. I'm the good shepherd, and I know my sheep. My sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. This passage shows us that we must know God to hear his voice like sheep know their shepherd. And it's both comforting and convicting, I think. Comforting because, guys, if we know God, if we're walking with him, we will hear his voice. He's our shepherd. We're the sheep. We will recognize it, and, and he will guide us. But what if we don't know the Lord? What if we don't know his voice? Is it possible that we'd be led away by stranger voices? I think it, I think so. We've got to know God to hear his voice. And I think it's so important that we do. Why? Because it is the voice that gives life. Later on in this same passage, Jesus says this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is talking about you and me, his sheep, who he wants us to experience life to the full. I don't even fully know what that means, but I know that with Jesus, with his purposes, with his plan for us, that is where life to the full lies. God invites us to live more fully by following him, to live out our unique calling in his bigger story. That's what he was trying to remind Elijah of. And I think it's often what he's trying to remind us of. When we tune out all of the other voices and listen first and primarily to God's voice, we too, like Elijah, will go from despair to life, from our attempts of clinging to control to surrendering and finding true freedom, and from isolation into community. God gives Elijah just the next step, right? I always want the five-year plan or the 10-year plan, and it just doesn't exist, and God's not going to give it to us because then what would faith be for? But he gives him the next step, and he gives him a shepherd, himself, his good father, to be there. He says, don't worry, I'm here. Do you trust me? I really like this quote that I found speaking on the subject by Bob Benson. He says, I'm not sure exactly what all I think we mean when we say that we are made in the image of God. But part of it, I believe, is that the calling voice of God is sounding out in the caves and caverns deep beneath the soil of our souls. 
And it is by this call that we learn who we truly are and what we can become. So, as we wrap up today's message, there are some new questions that I want you to consider. One, what voice am I listening to the most? It might be hard to answer, but I think it'd be good to think about. What voice am I listening to the most? Two, am I listening to the whispers of God in my own life? Three, Am I walking with God in a way that would lead me to recognize his voice? It's kind of where we started at the beginning. Am I walking with him? Do I know him? And four, what action might God, might, might God be calling me to next? What he gave Elijah was his, a new calling, was an action. It was the next step. What might God be calling you to next? Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your provision. You're always with us, even when we run and hide from you, even when we stop trusting you. God, you follow us and you remain with us. Lord, would you please speak to us deep beneath the soil of our soul? Would you remind us of who we are and what our purpose is? We love you and we trust you. Amen.